Well, what's the latest on the construction project at Kansas City International Airport? And what's going on at 12th and Oak? I'm Dave Helling with the STARS Editorial Board. This is Deep Background for August 19th. No matter what you hear when we start, after the music. Greetings, you're on Deep Background for August 20th, 2020, 8 <laughs> Dave Helling with the STARS Editorial Board, my friend Derek Donovan with the board, and then Allison Kite from City Hall joining us. She's not at City Hall, but she covers City Hall, and she's joining us for the podcast. Allie, thanks so much for being with us. Well, we want to start out by talking a little bit about uh, the state of the airport project which in an era of COVID and Black Lives Matter may have slipped a little bit under the radar for a lot of people. And yet the work out there continues and the discussion, debate, disagreement alley over how contracts are to be awarded there also continues, right? Tell us about the latest episode and the, the sort of the, if you will, factions that were frustrated about a particular contract and how it all worked out. Yeah. So a little bit of background um, when, so the, the new terminal developer, developer, I'm sorry, Edgemore Infrastructure and Real Estate pledged that 35% of the work on the project would go to subcontractors that are owned by minorities and women. Um, the council has been keeping a pretty close eye on this. Um, some of them are worried that, um, you know, they don't think the developer is going to meet that pledge. Um, the developer has said, you know, we're, we're on track. We plan to exceed it. Um, but not everybody is convinced by that. So um, that's kind of the backdrop for um, this 7A concrete um, bid package. So basically this is um, doing a lot of the, the concrete work on the air side. So not where passengers... The, the apron, area. that to the, the apron, the where the planes go, that type of thing. Yeah, on the air side of the the new terminal, um, it's we don't have the actual copies of the bids because it's still an active procurement. Um, so basically, this is somewhere in the ballpark of like a seventy five million dollar contract. Um, Pretty big chunk of the work out there, right, Allie? I mean, it's a one point five billion dollar terminal, so. Um, everything pales in comparison to the overall budget, but yes, a pretty big contract. Um, and so the, um, the contract that Edgemore, the developer and the general contractors, which is a joint venture called Clark White's Clarkson recommended this Colorado company called ESCO. Um, they said, you know, this is our preferred bidder. Um, ESCO was the low bidder. Um, and they said, we want, you know, them to do the contract work. Let me so, just stop you there real quick so the mm -hmm. people who are listening understand. Under the normal procedure out there, uh, uh, CWC or, or Edgemore, however you want to put it, uh, publishes bids for different parts of the airport, right? And then, mm -hmm. and then it screens those who respond to those bids and, make a rec and makes a recommendation then to the airport, which is represented by Pat Klein and other folks, and they sign off of it or don't sign off of it. The point is typically yeah. the council does not become involved, even on big contracts, in who wins. Right. 
Exactly. Um, so the other bidder on this concrete package was Idecker, which is based in St. Joe. Um, and this kind of all uh, came into the public eye when um, the Heavy Constructors Association and the Building and Trades Council held a press conference and basically leaned on the aviation department to reject CWC's recommendation of ESCO. And ESCO um, was from Denver, right? And there was some concerns about that. They're from Colorado. Actually, the town escapes me. Um, yeah. But um, yes. And so these two trade groups said, we want a local contractor. Um, and they said that Idecker um, was a slightly higher bid in terms of price, but it, it had more participation from subcontractors that are owned by minorities and women. Those are referred to as MBEs and WBEs. An important point that I want to stress is there is not a contract signed yet um, for this work, which means that nobody will give me a copy of the bids so that so all the representations that have been made over price and MBE and WBE participation have not, I've not been able to independently verify them. And it's a source of like, I, I want to tear my hair out. Um, <laughs> but I just think that I, I just want to stress that um, that's one of the challenging things about reporting on the KCI project is, um, is, you know, the limited access that I sometimes have. Right, it's kind of public, but it's not completely public. The right. council has some role, but not. it's very ill-defined. Yeah. Um, and there are millions of dollars flying around out there, to coin a phrase, without really sort of independent scrutiny other than the airport and Edgemore discussing these options. At least not like, uh, you know, at least not as they're going on. Right. It's, you might be able to get a copy of bids after the fact, after there's already a contract signed. Um, and, and that's then, part of the problem with MBE and WBE measurements, isn't it, Allie? That that because there are so many pieces moving, it you have to sort of rely on Edgemore and the city's representatives, Pat Klein and others, and, and to 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 keep an eye on MBE and WBE and sort of trust them in a way. Yeah. And I think, um, they do, you know, report that data through the city's human relations department. Um, right. but there's been some, some consternation and some of the doubt, um, from council members about the numbers comes from the fact that there is a lag between what Edgemore is saying that they've awarded and what's been um showing up in those documents made its way through yeah to the to hrd there's yeah. there's a bit of a lag in the reporting and so that also makes things challenging so um, so just so we're clear so here we are we had two bids from esco and idaker mm -hmm. and the council and some independent groups complained about esco uh esco claimed that they had a pretty significant in uh, wbe participation right Right. And that they had some MBE participation as well. Um, and the trade groups and the council members who supported IDECR said, well, they don't have enough MBE participation. They have um, a rather large subcontract with um, a company owned by a woman, but they don't have a lot of minority participation. Um, and then 
they, um, those same folks also talked about um, the Idecker's bid purportedly, again, haven't seen it, yeah. had um, a larger number of um, MBEs and WBEs. So yeah. it's important to note here that um, MBE, WBE participation is counted in terms of the dollars paid. So you could have one big WBE, WBE contract worth, I don't, I'm throwing out random numbers, $5 million, or you can have five different $1 million contracts. That's the same level of MWBE participation. It's counted in terms of dollars. So the folks who supported the IDECR contract um, said not only did they feel that IDECR had more MBE, WBE participation, but that it was distributed to more individual MBEs and WBEs. Yeah, and, I'm on the editorial board, so I can throw this in and you don't have to confirm or deny, Allie. But another part of this dynamic is in contracts, at least in my experience, is there is a tension between MBEs and WBEs. And there is a sense among some minority members of the council that minority participation is more important than women participation. Uh, or that there can be that, that, that to say, well, we're meeting our WBE target is not as important as meeting the MBE target. Now that you may agree or disagree with that, but I think that played a little bit of a role here too, that, that there was a concern that with ESCO, there was a big chunk of WBE, but maybe not as much MBE. Um, well, and I, I don't know that I would. Uh, Feel free to disagree with me. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know that I would attribute. Would be the first time, right, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would attribute a feeling that um, any council members think one is more important than the other, but they did say that the ESCO bid had significantly more, M or sorry, significantly more WBE participation than MBE participation. And they had a problem with it on that basis. And the and the overall goals of the project are twenty percent MBE and fifteen percent WBE, and so I mean, in the end, um, they have to come up with more MBE than WBE participation because right, that's correct. the goal. Correct. So, um, so yeah. the response there were two responses. One right. was to tell the city manager to go back and tell Pat Klein to do it over. There was also a discussion of taking Pat Klein out of the equation which Catherine Shields wanted to do, where she wanted to let the council then become involved. Let's come back to that. Okay. They did indeed direct the city manager to tell Pat Klein to take another set of bids, right? Yes. So the council voted, um, I guess, last week or the week before. 10 to 2, I think. Time is not real in um, <laughs> COVID <pandemic>. world. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So um, the council voted to basically tell um, the city manager to tell the city's aviation director, Pat Klein, to reject um, the recommendation of ESCO and ask for best and final offers from the two companies. So this is basically one last shot to um, find a way to reduce their price or add MWBE participation yeah. or both um, and submit those final offers. And then the council, woman, the council wanted Edgemore CWC to look at those again and make a final determination. Um, so, so that's where we're at, right? That they mm -hmm. sent in these lowest and best bids, and then it was awarded to Idaker, 
And that's where we stand, although it's still active in the specifics. Let me just ask the broader question, Allie, which is, do we think now that the council will become directly involved in other contractual matters at the airport? Because the whole point is to kind of keep politics out of it. Politics, for good or for ill, regardless of which side you're on, interfered with this decision. Is this going to be common? I think that's a a good question and kind of remains to be seen. I think that... um... I wish I had a better answer than that. Um, I think it opens the door for it. I think that getting, um, I think it was 10 council people to vote to do something this drastic was a hurdle. Um, and I think it's it's kind of, you know, an object remote in motion remains in motion, an object. Right, to- because there are other <laughs> contracts to come, you know, and at that point, people can start saying, okay, we did it on 7A, Let's do it on 8A or 9A or 10A. Yeah, I, th- I think certainly. But I also think it's important to note that there was another um, contract where they didn't do this. Um, there was a um, the utilities side of this, basically the same package. So some of the, the underground work um, was recommended for to be done by Kissick construction. Um, and there was an ordinance that the council committee, um, the transportation, I guess it was the transportation committee discussed, um, that would have rejected that recommendation and given it to blue Nile and which is a minority firm. Right, exactly. Um, and that was sponsored by councilman Lee Barnes. And one of his major points was exactly the opposite of the point that the supporters of Idecker were making, which um, Councilman Barnes was saying, this is a big contract. Why are we only giving MBEs and WBEs smaller contracts? We should be allowing MBEs and WBEs to be prime contractors as well. Uh, rather than subcontractors. But there was a key difference um, between, and Councilwoman Melissa Robinson articulated this on the floor um, when they were discussing the ESCO IDACR issue. The key difference between those two pieces of legislation was that Councilman Barnes's legislation would have rejected Kissick and awarded it to Blue Nile, whereas um, this ESCO IDACR contract was they rejected ESCO's bid and asked for best and final offers. So I think the council felt less like they were picking um, winners and losers and more like they were giving both companies one last shot. All right, one more question, then we'll take a break. Um, The other argument you heard in favor of Idaker and this bid was that it's uh, a local company, which is interesting. It's from St. Joe. I guess St. Joe is more local than... Colorado. But doesn't that set a bit of a precedent, too? I mean, I wrote a little bit about 8A, which is the drywall work, and there was some push to do a St. Louis company that had some WBE and MBE in it. But now the argument that, hey, St. Louis may not qualify, I mean, that gets a little complicated, too, in town versus out of town. Yeah. So, and this is something that I think that... Because Edgemore's out of town. Right. Right. And Clark Construction and Clarkson is in town. I mean, so these lines get crossed pretty quick. Yeah. And and I think that the importance of a local contractor um, depends on what what council member you ask. Um, You know, this was 
something that that Kevin O'Neill um, from the first district was very clear um, that you know he liked that Idecker was right. at least compared to yeah. Esco more local. Um, <laughs> so I think that I think that you know when you're looking at these contracts in the future, I think council members, depending on um, the contract, are balancing the interests of. Um, wanting local firms to get work on the project and wanting to make sure that there is MBE and WBE participation. So those could kind of come to um, come in conflict if you had a local firm that didn't have enough MBE, WBE participation versus an out-of-town firm that had managed to hire local MBE and WBE subcontractors. So they're kind of, they're interests that, can go along together or can be in conflict in conflict just based on who bids on a certain package. Okay, no question about it. We should pause here quickly to note that they are building that damn airport. I mean, people think it's sort of a conceptual deal. There is steel and concrete going up. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk briefly with Allie about the city's budget woes. This is Dave Helling and Derek Donovan. You're on Deep Background. Hey there, this is Derek Donovan of the Kansas City Star Editorial Board, and we hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at the Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to kansascity.com slash background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a deep background listener. By subscribing at that URL, you will get three months of unlimited digital access to the star for $1.99 total. That's right. You get access to KansasCity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, our mobile apps, and more for three whole months, and it only costs you $1.99. That's a pretty sweet deal. Plus, you will be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. So go grab your computer or mobile device and head to KansasCity.com background. And hey, thanks for listening. Okay, back now on Deep Background with Ali Kite of The Star and Derek Donovan of The Star's editorial board and Dave Helling. Well, Ali, uh, uh, a certain editorial writer back in March wrote a piece for the Kansas City Star that said, hey, this budget you're passing, City Hall, it will not last. (laughs) (laughs) Who could have thought been? Who could have thought that? And as it turns out, uh, they've got some real hacking to do down at 12th and Oak, right? Yeah, that's right. They did um, some of it last week. Again, again right. what is time anymore? Um, <laughs> so they, you know, they cut a number of um, vacant positions and some services um, last week. They did not week. do a furlough, right? They were talking about doing a f- uh, unpaid furlough for some city employees, not all. Right. They decided to hold that discussion for a week. So I believe they'll be talking about that um, on Wednesday um, in committee again. And kind of the rub there um, was basically that, you know, do we do we want to furlough some of the city's lower paid workers or do we want the folks who make more money to take a larger furlough um, to kind of spare some folks who um, might not be in a position where they can manage that as easily. Because when they, when the city does furloughs, they always exempt police and fire, or at least in this case, fire, the police will make their own decisions. And it turns out to be the guy who cuts the grass who ends up taking a week off without pay. 
Well, yes. So all public safety is exempt from the furloughs. Um, the police department did take a um, cut in the the program programmatic cuts um, that they passed last week. And I am not sure yet. I've not seen a plan from the police department regarding how they're going to save that money. Um, it's kind of, I imagine that um, it'll be some vacant positions, maybe um, some layoffs. Um, well, we they, don't think this is over, do we, Allie? I mean, they, they can do all they want. I mean, earnings taxes, sales taxes are all, the state of emergency exists through the first of the year. So it isn't as if, you know, you're going to get a boom in earnings taxes next week. Also, some of it's going to roll till next year with the earnings tax because all those people who live in the suburbs and work downtown can apply to not have to pay the earnings tax next year. Yeah, get a and refund. So they're going to get a refund, and that's going to be yet another wave. Right. Yeah. So the city's fiscal year just started on May first. I guess not just started. Again, time. Wow. So um, we're not out of this um, pandemic yet. So I think the the hardest month. Um, so far, or what should have been the hardest month so far would have been um, April, because for all of April, the city um, was in the strictest form of lockdown, Um, no, you know, in-person dining, um, nobody was traveling in April. So um, a lot of city revenues in the form of sales taxes, um, and convention and tourism taxes were hit pretty hard during that month. Um, but we're still not back to business as usual. So, you know, over the coming months, we, we really don't know what this city's revenues will be like. And, um, it kind of remains to be seen whether there will be any further cuts that have to be made. The city's yeah. finance department is keeping an eye on that, trying to make projections, but these are crazy times. Do we, uh, we need to wrap up pretty quickly here, Allie, but is there any, do you sense urgency on the part of city council members to address these concerns or is it spackle and spit and wire and trying just to get through? I mean, there will come a time and people think that it's, you know, a couple million dollars here and there. It is a serious hack to the city's revenue stream, one assumes. Yeah, I think that the sense of urgency varies. I think Councilwoman Catherine Shields has said, on the floor and in committees repeatedly, like we need to take action. It's only going to get worse because the longer we wait, the more we will have to cut because we will have already spent some of this money. Um, and I think that these are, these are hard cuts to make. Um, you know, the council has expressed on the floor that we really don't want to do this, um, but, right. but they've got to. Um, and so I think that, I, I think that it kind of varies from person to person. And I think you'll see um, folks try to come up with creative ways to, to save some money as well. Um, Councilwoman Heather Hall wants to look at, um, you know, a vacant office space that the city has. Can they consolidate people? Um, can they have, you know, a permanent work from home policy or, and other ways to basically ex- diminish the city's real estate footprint um, and save some money on facilities or rent space out to businesses and nonprofits. 
Yeah. Uh, as we wrap up here, creativity is going to be difficult if the budget comes crashing down. I mean, at some point you just have to say, hey, we just don't have the money to do the things we want to do. And there are long, medium term, long term things you can do. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the 50, 60 million dollars out of the general fund is a chunk. OK, uh, we're about ready to wrap up. And I apologize for the truncated version of this. Uh, we'll have this discussion going forward, uh, uh, Ali, as the council see, uh, can zero in on some of the decisions it needs to make. But thanks so much for joining us today. And it's extraordinarily important stuff. And we'll keep an eye on the airport, too. Ali Kite with the STARS uh, crack City Hall team. <laughs> thanks so much. Derek Goneman, as always, thank you. I'm Dave Helling with the STARS editorial board. You've been on Deep Backwards.